What you about to witness is my thoughts. Just my thoughts, man. Let's just make sure we start strong then. Yeah, we will. I'm uh, good. Have you had these yet? I'm. I need to be sponsored by Blue Moon Light Sky, cause. Whoa, I just, whoa! You're a Blue Moon fan? Dude, yeah, I drink. Well, so Blue Moon's been my choice like for years, right? It's just it's relatively cheap. It's good, but Blue Moon, um, Blue Moon like the regular is now like too rich for me because I started drinking their light sky and it is fire. It's delicious. I just had it for the first time. It's so good, but I've always been, my wife is an IPA fan. She's made fun of me for years because I like blue moon, but I've always just gravitated towards that Belgian style of beer where it's just like a little bit more citrusy and it just tastes better in my opinion. I don't like, I mean, I'm a whiskey fan, but I don't like things that are too bitter. I guess what I'm drinking right now is just whiskey, but I mean, when it comes to beer, Blue Moon is my go-to. What kind of whiskey are you drinking? Um, right now I've got a bottle of Angel's Envy that that's, I've been drinking on for a while. That's one of the um, better ones. Yeah. That, that's why the families always like, when our family gets together at Thanksgiving and Christmas, they're like, oh, there they go again. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so my family's like that, but with tequila. Oh, well, see, tequila's actually healthier for you, right? I don't know about that. Uh, well, maybe it's just me just trying to convince myself. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've you can make the argument tequila. that tequila's made from a fruit. <laughs> tequila, I've uh, actually like, definitely gotten into. Um, Aaron got me into it. She's like, if you're going to be drinking, you be drinking this. And we like uh, made it, like, we were going to Mexico, so we're like, yeah, we're on a tequila diet, trying to get ready for <laughs> it. Um, but since then, I have been like pretty much strictly the tequila, because I used to be whiskey with Alex. I guess we should probably yeah. give a little backstory. Uh, <laughs> what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Just My Thoughts podcast with Jeremy McGrew. It's very great to be with you today. Um, it's a crazy week here in America. Crazy week. We got the uh, weirdest election of my lifetime, and I barely remember the 2000 election, but this one seems heavier and a lot more, uh, a lot more like a powder keg that could really not end up well for us. Uh, but I do have the Butters Brothers. Yep. Andrew and Alex Butterworth. You guys want to say hello? What's up, boys? What's up? What's up? Hey, thank you for having us. Yeah, Andrew is a yeah, uh, is a good friend, and Alex is a new friend. Um, yeah. I'm excited. So, I've, I mean, I've heard a lot about you, Alex. Um, and then I, I do enjoy your brother. He's cool. We have a good time. He sent me home right. shit-faced in an Uber one time, and I oh, made man. it. Dude, my wife was pissing me for months after Dude, that. I, bet. I, was, I was hilarious, and I, I was, I was, I had, a, I called her on the phone. I was like, "Hey, I'm sitting your husband home, and I'm just like talking to her." And of course, I'm pretty drunk as well. And I remember she just stops me in the middle. And I was like, "Can you please give me back to my husband?" I was like, yeah, "Okay, sorry." <laughs> Wasn't that after like a marathon or something? That after yeah, so it was after the like Indie Fitness Mag 5K uh, that we hosted. It was a long week, man. Putting together an event like that is stressful, and. It was just, you know, it was just rough. And then I hadn't drank for a few weeks, and I was like, fuck it. This is a long week. I'm going to drink. Jeremy likes to take, like, 75 days off and just go, like, completely, like, you know, very nutritious and stuff. And then, makes like, when he drinks, it makes him feel, like, a lot better. But that's the percussion. Well, the, the, um, have you ever heard of 75 Hard? Yeah. Okay. I have. So I did that this spring. Um, We're supposed to do the next phase in that. 
starting uh, a couple of days ago. I started it, and then I was almost finished with the cookie the other day. I was like, fuck. So I got to start over. So I decided to have a couple beers with the Butters boys. And before I restart, yeah, I go 75 days, and it's impressive. You know, it's not drinking. Got to eat clean. Got to work out twice a day. One has to be outside. Basically, like people think it's like a health thing, but it's more of a mental, uh, mental toughness program. Um, I feel like that's all mental. Yeah, it's all mental. Totally. I mean, it's easy to do any of the things, but it's not easy to do anything seventy-five straight days. Right. Period. So yeah, it's it's a. But whenever I did it, I've never felt better. You know, physically, mentally, just never felt better about myself. Like honestly, I could have I could have done anything. I could have run for president, and it wouldn't have we wouldn't have even needed a recount because I would have won by a landslide. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's like to me, to me, it doesn't even register. Like you told me you had a cookie, and I was like, and, and I was like, <laughs> but I guess that, that means you like broke. Like you know, that's yeah. that doesn't work in well, the seventy-five day. Yeah, we we did that. Uh, well, quote air quotes. We did that at Penn State. A bunch of us were gonna do a sober season, <clears throat> my junior season, um, and. None of us, except one guy, we were all sneaking, you know, drinking on Thursdays and Saturdays after the games. Mm-hmm. And it was like for weeks and weeks and weeks, we didn't tell this guy. And he was doing it legit. So you, um, you played it. Shout out. Um, he was a running back for us. And um, I think, I can't remember the exact conversation, but we were at training table, which is like our lunch and dinner. And you played and at Penn State, like, you said? He's like, I'm not drinking. Yeah. He's like, I feel like Superman right now. And it's been like four drinks. For four four weeks, you you played at Penn State, you said. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's awesome. What position? What was that? What position? Uh, so I punted. So not much of an athlete, but got there. Dude, you punt? Oh, yeah. I punted at one of the best programs in the country. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. He yeah, he's definitely too humble. This like he was he was definitely one of the best placement uh, punters, I believe. Um, I yeah. held a Big Ten record for. Uh, until last year. That's awesome. Like, punts in, punts yeah. inside the ten, I believe it was. I don't remember exactly, but I only I only I'm actually done. went to four games, and it was something that Alex and I always argued with. But uh, to this day, I I promise you, like I was bad luck. Not one time did I go. Like when you're like rooting for the punter, like of your family, that means that you need the team to not do well because you needed to come to, <laughs> you needed to come to the point where they punt. And every time I went, they did very well. And I don't think I've been to one game where he actually punted in front of me because they were always doing so well. And yeah. it never came to fourth down. It was either that or weather where it was like a blizzard or like freezing rain. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. Can't blame me. What years were you there? Uh, 2010 to 2013. So I was two years under Coach Joe Paterno and then two years. Wow. So, so you were there during that whole shit. Um, and Drew's right. <laughs> You were there during that all that craziness. I was, yeah. Um, wow. Woke up one morning, turned on ESPN, and we're getting we're all over the news. And it was just one morning, and it was out of nowhere too. We hadn't there was no inkling of anything prior to that. Did you know the Sandusky dude? So we saw him. He would. Um, I know this is not what would, we wanted to talk about on the podcast today, but I didn't know you played at Penn this State. Is wrong. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. It's 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 fine. Um, I figured it would come up. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's big, big I mean, it's, I always everybody. Um, 
But no, I mean, it, it, we did. I mean, he seems like a very normal guy. I mean, I know that's always the story. Yeah. He was in our weight room all the time working out. Um, but it made sense at the end because he was the only, because we always had old coaches, old players that would come and work out and do stuff and use our facilities. But he was the only one that didn't like shower afterwards or he wouldn't go to the <laughs> locker room afterwards or talk to anybody afterwards. He would just kind of come there and, and leave. And it was, it was like an ongoing joke, like Jerry's in and out. I mean, he's one of the best defensive, probably if not the best defensive college coach of all time. He was the only guy that got carried off the field. I mean, the head coach didn't get carried off the field. The defensive coach was carried off the field after they won the national championship. Fuck. And so, I mean, he was a legend, I mean, in, in the college football community. So we didn't really, you didn't joke about him too much. I mean, that was wow. like, that's like imagine like Lou Holtz comes in and works out in your in your weight room. like. You don't say too many negative. You may make fun of his accent, but you don't you don't talk shit about Lou Holtz too much. Wow. Um, so that was like it was like the equivalent. Um, but yeah, so when that all came down, obviously we didn't see much of him. But um, man, yeah, after it all, it made sense. That's crazy. So I can't imagine what was like. How'd you guys even play football for the rest of the year? We had some really really solid leadership on our team, um, and I'm not talking like coaches i'm talking players um one guy that i still to this day look up to mike Motti. um one of the old one of the moments that gave me the biggest chills was um so beaver stadium is known as being one of the best college football environments in the country mm-hmm. um 110,000 fans uh only rivaled to the big house in michigan mm-hmm. but um he was injured the second to last game of his senior year and he was known as one of the the leaders of our team, and I was I, I was roommates with him for for one year. But um, linebacker at linebacker, you just <laughs> built like a brick shit house. Like the if you could like define a man, like the man everybody wants to be, that's this dude. That's a man. Um, <laughs> and he had the entire stadium of Beaver Stadium on a game he wasn't playing because he was injured, chanting Michael Motti. Um, 110,000 people chanting his name in a game that he wasn't even playing in. Um, he came together with everybody and he said, listen, this is what's going on. Um, and the timeline makes it interesting because we heard about everything, but we weren't sanctioned for a few months later. Probably, mm-hmm. I think we heard about it in the spring of my going into my junior year. And we didn't get sanctioned until the summer right before my junior season. So there was a long bit of time in the summer that we had no real idea what was going on. And that entire time he was basically saying, listen, like, if you guys want to leave, you can leave. Because we had, they allowed us for our scholarships, Mm -hmm. all the scholarship players, if we wanted to accept scholarships somewhere else, we could. And there was a ton of teams that would come on campus and try to recruit. Um, But I think there was a core group of us that were just like, yeah, I'm not leaving this place in the world. Yeah. Um, What's it like playing he was in the one? Yeah, go ahead. It's called it's Happy Valley, right? Happy Valley. Yeah. What's it like playing there when everybody's swinging those white towels? It's going <laughs> fucking nuts everywhere. Like, what's it like? That's probably the that, that's probably the number one question I get. Um, honestly, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but 
I so my position is unique in in that when I go out there, I'm pretty much by myself. Yeah, everybody's watching. Um, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I got a unit of guys that I depend on. So I depend on my shield. I depend on my long snapper. I depend on my blockers. And um, you know, it's it's weird. I I kind of trained myself to tune everything out. So like. If you were in the if you were in the crowd, like even though my mom, my girlfriend who's now my wife was in the in the stand, um, you know maybe Drew was in, in the stand. Um, everybody just turns to a blur. But I mean, when you go out on a on a whiteout game like that, your hand your hair stands up on your arms. There's nothing like it. Um, you can hear them in the locker room too. Like you hear. Um, you hear everything and so like when you know it's going to be a big game it was always ohio state michigan one of our rivals and um you can hear them in your locker room 15 minutes and they're calling 10 minutes they're calling five minutes and then it's time to go out and you go out there and it's just white everywhere that's not no other color and i always say this to this day i still can't listen to thunderstruck without getting even thinking about it my hair standing up thunderstruck was the song they played right before game time that's and I awesome. still hear that, and uh, I, I, let's just say I let's just say that I don't need. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I don't need. And I'm, la- and I'm laughing. I'm laughing because Alex always grew up like kind of. We always joked like saying like what if stories or like telling tall tales, um, and he would talk about this, and he was completely right. Like just going, even just like the the games, like it was like absolutely insane. I was like, holy shit! Like you're telling the like, complete truth. This is insane. Even when I visited that one night. Um, he would tell me like stories that like you only like really uh, see on TV shows like just completely kind of uh, over the top but it was like real life like I remember we went to a bar and the owner was like football players were allowed to go behind the bar and make whatever drink they wanted <laughs> I was like this is not real life shout right out now. to the lion's den that, <laughs> this is not real life it was like they, they, and Alex Alex was the punter and then his like best friends were all the linemen and all of them are double his size. And so and Alex is like, you know, he's good with his words. I mean, he's I an mean, attractive guy. I mean, hey, he's a Butterworth. Uh, so, <laughs> but it was just so funny because there'd be like lines out the door to get in. And then you just see like Alex half their size and these linemen just like walk in and go in. And I just can't like imagine that power to like, dude, I would have, I would have lost it. So like props to you for not like getting arrested. Or dude, that actually happens whenever your brother walks into a bar too. Yeah. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I got Arthur no, right Drew's, behind me. Uh, Drew's charismatic <laughs> man. I mean, he's, he's he's got the charisma of the family. I just uh, I just had the friends. <laughs> <laughs> I had the muscle. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was weird. The, the the person that was the next smallest in my house was three oh five six seven. Wow. So they're big. They're so big boys. Gra- linemen gravitated towards me. I still laugh about it to this day. I was like. Our entire house was O-lineman. I don't understand it either. And they're all, the, they're all the smart big dudes. So it was the real intelligent, big... Shout <laughs> out Anthony Alosi, Jake Grove. Yeah, no, a lot of those guys, yeah, I'm still friends with them today. And uh, they were a lot of... A lot of them were groomsmen at my wedding. And it, no, they're, they're great guys. But yeah, it was it, it's something I can never get away from. I'll always appreciate my time there. So I do want to uh, make sure everybody knows... Um, Alex is actually coming into us remotely from Philadelphia, um, so if his if it sounds a little weird, his voice isn't that robotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
It's uh, he's just coming through, coming through the speakers on the laptop. But I have a question for you. How do you get that up there? That's pretty cool. Do I what? How do you get? How are you on the screen? Oh, so I went. Is, does that record? Uh, no. So yeah, through Google Hangouts, uh, it doesn't record that I know of. But so this is just through like uh, my email, because I can't see him right now. You can see him. Yeah. Oh uh, well, yeah. You. So you know, what, they, let me join the hangout, man. Oh yeah. You want? You want what? You want me to put you on the email address so you can see? Yeah, yeah. All right, here. So we'll do that. You guys keep talking. I'll do this. Yeah, dude. And then we'll all three be on there, and then just three good-looking guys talking about okay, politics okay. and football. I like this. Okay, that makes I sense. I like this. Yeah. And Drew, <laughs> I, think you can, uh, I think you can record, too, on Google Hangouts. You can record the visual. Okay, well, I'm doing that, then. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm man. I'm not a robot. I don't sound like a robot. Do you want me to send it to your email address that you sent me earlier? Holy Jeremy? shit. Yeah. Man, gotta love Instagram thoughts. This is hilarious, dude. I, I, I wonder what you kept looking at, like when I had, pull, had it pulled up. Oh, shit. Well, so, somebody just so sent me. That I had a double screen up. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, just sent me a funny ass picture. Golly. All right, there you go. Should be in your inbox. All right, we're gonna record this shit. Maybe we'll put it up on YouTube. There you go. I've been trying to do that. That's like that's like twenty twenty for you. You can't have a podcast without video nowadays. I don't even know if I have. Uh, I know. Well, I'm trying to set it up in here so we have video. Um, I'm not very like entertaining or intelligent, but I at least you know at least I look good. So you'd have to change outfits. I hope. Yeah. Right, yeah. Now he's the, right now he's wearing the you know the long bag like gym shorts. Yep. Well, I was faded very... LTF shirt. Yeah, this thing's faded. Hey, I listen to your podcast. Don't don't insult your own intelligence. <laughs> there's there's some there. Well, hey, the reason that we we kind of all three got together is Drew and I have been texting back and forth for pretty much the last like week or two about this election. It's mm-hmm. fucking crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he mentioned to me that you are kind of a history buff like myself. Um, you seem you have like a lot of knowledge of the electoral process and America in general and the history of America. And mm-hmm. uh, you know you're right in the belly of the beast. You're in Philadelphia right now. Uh, yeah. What's it? What's going on in Philly? Like, are people, how do people feel? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you have a lot of your friends from home texting you. You have a lot of people from around the country texting you being like, you know, what's, what's going to happen with PA? What's going to go on with PA? I mean, six months ago, we knew PA uh, or Pennsylvania in general, Philly in general, was going to be a big part of this election. And for one main reason um, was that, we were the really one of the only states that uh, was going through litigation because we tried to change the rules of how an election process works. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were extending the deadline for when they could receive ballots. It was unclear on how they were going to verify those ballots um, because everything was going to have to go through the USPS, you know, the, the United States Postal Service. We had to have everything postmarked, but we're seeing we're seeing kind of the the tail end of that on how that doesn't work and why it doesn't work. Oh, it's been why a shit it's not reliable. show. Say that again. It's been a shit show. It's been a total shit show. Um, and I I told Drew this when we were talking. Uh, it had to have been eight months ago. I said, "Put your seatbelt on." I mean, PA is going to be a a mess. I think he still wins. He really did. He said a possible civil war. And it's like, I mean, 
we joked about it, but I mean, it is. We're living in a moment that is completely historic. Um, some would say even like a coup. It's like what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a. Uh... You know, I think because we're Americans, we think of a civil war being strictly geographic, but it's not necessarily the truth. I mean, Mm -hmm. there have been a lot more civil wars than just the American Civil War. Like, civil wars are quite Mm -hmm. frequent throughout history. It doesn't have to be your neighbor. Or, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. No, I think think it is a civil war, but I think it is a civil war of uh, ideologies right now. Mm -hmm. So it's a civil war of, um, of beliefs and. You know, I was telling Drew this the other day is somebody asked me why I'm so conservative um, and why, because I get into political debates constantly. Politics is one of my passions. American history is one of my passions. America is one of my passions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you know, why do you, why do you identify so much with the conservative side? Because you're a libertarian. You're supposed to be independent. Um, hmm. Because I, I look at the two teams. So imagine we're on a playground drafting two teams. Mm-hmm. And one team has purple and pink-haired um, <laughs> screaming protesters Children. that say there's a thousand genders but then tell the other side that they don't listen to science. You have um, you know, groups of people that will say they care about you know, minority communities and destroy minority businesses. Um, you have those that are fighting to say they don't trust the government, but they're trying to increase the reach of the government through things like healthcare, through things like the, um, the you know, the, the United States for Green Corps. They're trying to, so there's contradicting yourself all over the board, or I can go to team B, which is your um, people that believe in, in conservative values, like there's a God, there's, um, you know, church, there's, uh, family values. There's things that, like the military. I mean, you have all almost every single Marine, Army veteran, uh, police officer, a- anybody with a badge, pretty much or uniform. All of them going towards the Republican side, and then you have, um, you know, you have the two sides. Who are you going to choose? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm choosing Team B That's, every day of the week. I just think, I, yeah. Really? I mean, it's and that's it, what's sad is, and like Alex and I were, were talking about it. I think Jeremy, you and I have too. Is um, you know, right now, I feel like there's so many people, it's like, well, so the main focus is hate Trump. And you're not, like, thinking of the end game. Um, and, like, what is at, like, stake right now? Like, There's zero long-term thinking going there's on. There's zero. It's like, so, like, if we go through this right now, like, regardless if you want, like, Biden or Trump, it is blatantly obvious that there is election fraud right now. It, like, you, you name it, like, and then everyone's going to say, and you'll have people be like, show me evidence, show me evidence. Be like, okay, that'll come. Like, that's not that easy. But we're also, like, very, like... We're smart. Well, like Americans are smart. Plenty of video going around. That's what I mean. And so it's like, not, like so to the courts, <clears throat> you know, we have to prove it. That's hearsay. But where there's smoke, there's fire. Like this is everywhere. This isn't just in like one state. This is everywhere. And it is like flooding. And so that's why people are trying to like downplay it. Be like, oh, there's no evidence. It's like, come on, man. Like whether you're Democrat, Republican, you know, independent, whatever, like it may be, yeah. we can all see that you're not just getting 126,000. 126,000 votes here, all Biden. 23,000 votes here, all Biden. I mean, it, we're living in a time though that like proof doesn't really even fucking matter. Like we're living in a time like if you don't if this proof doesn't agree with what you think, you're not going to believe it. Like whenever the Hunter Biden shit came out, like the left was like, "Oh, it's a Russian operative like BS case." And I mean, 
it's clearly not right or if you know the FBI like, hasn't been investigating it for the last year yeah so it's or, not if, like made or up. if trump does something i mean it's the same thing like the rice can be like oh that's just a bunch of crap it's not true da, 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 da. well it might be but we all dismiss everything as you know if it doesn't fit our beliefs because we are so far gone like both sides are digging their heels in so hard there's n- i mean there's no there's no way that this gets reconciled yeah yeah i was telling drew about this um just just the other week um you know because i don't share a lot of my political views on social media where, where drew is, is he doesn't more share any confident in, in that and 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 i i i wish i would i i just i i'm not going to risk anything uh job related um but also for me it's it's I don't want to shut down any conversations and unfortunately that's where we're at now um because i like hearing from the other side i like having an open mind um and i like hearing why they believe in what they believe in but at the same time what i've noticed is that if the other side meaning at this point for me the left because again i'm libertarian i'm supposed to be independent but i i strongly agree with what the republican party is doing right now but if the left side or the democratic side if they don't like what you're putting on your social media or what you're talking about, they'll end the conversation. They'll unfollow you. They'll try to cancel you in right. a lot of situations. Where where, where Drew's seeing some of that backlash right now with some of his friends, like good friends. Um, Same here. Because Same here. He, he just puts his beliefs on his on his social media. I mean, that's what social media is for. Well, <laughs> well I think the left like thinks that it. like if you agree with anything that Donald Trump says, that you're automatically agreeing with uh, racism, misogyny, da da da, all these things that they've placed on his name, not necessarily that are true, but that mm-hmm. if you, it's like you're, they say that you're giving that a pass when it's like no, 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 no not so fast. And I'm for conservative values. I'm not for any of that shit. I don't know anybody that's for that shit. 70 million people vote for Donald Trump because... It's a fallacy because we look... And again, this is where having a knowledge of history comes into play. Yes, amen. Um, You know, it's it's a lack of... And it starts with our education system because if if you remember in in historically, um, we look at every single instance of racism. You have... And it didn't start with African-Americans. It started with American Indians. So we have, um, you know, Andrew Jackson... Um, who, who started, you know, the segregation of Indians moving out to the West. Um, we have the American expansion from President Polk, who literally killed hundreds of thousands of, of Native Americans. That's where we saw the this, this story of the Trail of Tears. Um, and then beyond that, uh, you know, let's, let's move past the Civil War. We all know what happens there. We all know what that is. But that was the Democratic South against the Republican North. Mm-hmm. The Republican North was founded by Abraham Lincoln, who, you know, Emancipation Proclamation, but let's, you know, fast forward a few years, you have post-Civil War, you have things like the Black Codes, where the Democratic side, even though the Blacks were emancipated from slavery, they're like, all right, well, let's just... Well, Alex, and, and, and before you get into all those details, I, I like, I think this is what, like, we'll all kind of, like, get into, and for me, at least, why it's kind of, like, as we're, like, going about, like, racism... Um, which I think is the biggest issue, but it all kind of stems from, in my opinion, like the media and like, you're only going to hear one thing like from the other uh, and vice versa. And for me, so everyone wants to say like Trump is the one who's like divided America. And uh, the fact that you can like say that is to me, like, it's just like honestly silly. Like if you look at the media for like the past two years, they will make sure it's brought up. And if it goes too long without anything like that being brought up, 
they'll find a way to bring it up. And so now it's just like ingrained, especially for now, like our generation where they only get their, you got a lot of people where they make their money off of Instagram and you got to have something that reels you in, whether it be, I mean, and most of it's fake at any point you can like search something and you're going to get six different stories. And I mean, just look at, I mean, like Twitter, Facebook, obviously you're looking right now. I was looking at Twitter when uh, Trump did his uh, live press conference that was literally censored on his Twitter. How on like yeah, how, how does yeah, that get censored? Control. That is like live. It's the president, from, yeah, from the White House. There's no reason for that to be censored. And at this point, I feel mm. like they're not even like trying to hide it. And it's very one-sided. But I think that's like where it comes from because the, like, even for me, like just the fact that you bring racism into it at this point is absolutely absurd. I mean, Alex, you we you, we could like sit here and crunch numbers about like Biden and the crime bill and how that actually put more african-americans in jail for petty crimes than in history well well, that's what i was getting into is so just to debunk this this whole racism myth um so the what every democrat will point to is some big switch uh that happened between the democratic and republic party because you look back and it's like jim crow uh the black codes civil war why is the democratic party all of a sudden the one that gets all the black votes all the African-American votes, all the Hispanic votes, um, which Trump ju- just switched, which was amazing. Yeah, he, I'll, he really we can did. talk about that a little bit more. But Which is huge um, for the future of the Republican Party because uh, the Mexican-American um, population is going to be massive over yeah, the next 20, 30 we're years. a huge, huge shift. Between that, between Blexit, um, between everything going on within minority communities, but it all goes back to LBJ. LBJ was the one that, he was famous because he's the one that put in the Civil Rights Act. But when you look deeper into the Civil Rights Act, and Drew knows I have a passion for actually reading these bills for everything that they are. Um, the Civil Rights Act was important, obviously, but people forget Martin Luther King was a Republican. He, he didn't, <laughs> he fought against the party that enacted the, the Civil Rights Act, which you think about that for one second and you're like, well, how does that happen? Is well, that true? Have you, it goes back that up? to what it was. Was he he used the Civil Rights Act, LBJ, as much as everybody loves him. He used the LBJ Act to do things like the Fair Housing Act, which put minority communities in red line districts where crime was high, drugs were high, um, single family homes increased. So when we're talking about systemic racism, it's just aftermath of, of the Fair Housing Act. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, and, and he even said it himself. I mean, LBJ was quoted as saying, I'm going to do this. It's going to increase the uppityness of those N-words. He actually said that. This is all quotes from the White House. Wow. And then, and then said another uh, quote where he said, I'll have those N-words voting Democrat for the next 100 years. Those are direct quotes from the White House. Um, wow. Now, people try to debunk that all the time, but there's been multiple sources that have confirmed this. Um, so... Yeah, and I, and I yeah. always say, like, I mean, and that's, like, still, I mean, that's our past. And, like, I feel like nowadays, like, everyone has to tiptoe on everything they say. Because in, in one way, there's just so many, like, different sides where someone's going to be, like, I mean, just the fact that we can say that you're racist, like, so easily is, what is I mean, like, I mean, it, it shouldn't be allowed. Like, we say it, like, so easily when there, like, yes, there is a lot of racism all over the world. But I think we're using it way too interchangeably for, like, you know, just in general 
and that's what like it's all about right now like if you think about it like so the main two like things is and let's be honest like trump like he's uh rough around the edges uh and, but in my opinion he yes he'll say this stuff like we don't want someone just to be like polished like he'll joke around like we would be like sitting around like a, a group of guys like joking and that will be the clip that you'll see on cnn and they'll just take that little blurb or you know like something he said and then that'll just get circulated and turned into a meme and then it'll be just like that and then for someone who only is on social media that's all you're seeing and this is mm. the only thing you think and that's why that's like the side that like absolutely hates trump and so is it so far for us to think that they will go to like you know rig an election per se or do that and uh, and here we go well yeah drew i mean so let's let's just look at straight statistics um when it comes to racism because as much as everybody says we're divided we have data points that would say the exact opposite so um you know we look at things like gallup polls like gallup polls in 1958 four percent of americans approved of black and white intermarriages that same exact poll they did the same exact question uh years later in 2018 87 percent in the u.s approved of interracial marriages um we have um black home ownership that has grown by 46 percent since 1971 um and rates of black college graduates have grown 28 percent so right now we should be technically considered to be in the least racist time in not only just the u.s history but the world history i mean there's still slavery going on in africa there's still slavery going on in european countries um we're we're in not only the least racist society here in the u.s we're in the least racist time period that we've ever seen in the world that's at ob- this moment right now that's objectively Objective. Like it's it's objectively true. Everything. So, like yeah. I get really frustrated whenever people are like, "Oh, this is the worst. This is the shittiest country." I can't believe like things are so bad right now. When, I mean, objectively speaking, statistics are telling us that is patently false. Uh, dude, just Correct. honestly, just the other day. So, like, I don't know if you like, like know Joe Monahan. So he's one of our good friends. Like, he's been a marine. He's been overseas. Um, when I, the last two years, at least like half of that time, and he will like show me these debates and it's i mean i I just remember this one guy i can't remember the details but he's sitting there arguing with him he's like you just need to be like so grateful like you have no clue what it's like somewhere else and this guy is just like ranting and it's just like so ignorant because it's just like what he believes and you know i can't really speak to that because i haven't been like you know i haven't experienced that but i know from like my dad being a marine like him like then you can see stuff that we do have it well no matter what even no matter who wins this no matter what like is passed or like what happens we still have it way better in my opinion than majority of the world yeah 100 percent. i mean we live there's an unbelievable amount of opportunity right you can do do or be anybody that you want to be in this country there are 100 percent people that start behind the eight ball like it's just a fact that's in any civilization ever right it's easier for some people than others, but the upward mobility of the United States is, has never been seen. Yeah, and, and we see that all the time. I mean, uh, I was looking at a statistic the other day where um, for the first time in world history, well, in U.S. history, technically, but in the first time in the world, we have Nigerian immigrants that on average sure? are making a higher salary than um, most white Americans. Um, if not all. So those are Nigerian immigrants, most of them obviously black, 
um, or African American making, you know, higher income levels than uh, white counterparts or, or the other white citizens in the country. Um, you tell me it's not a land of opportunity or that there's some that there's some ceiling um, that that's keeping people from achieving the success they want to succeed. Um, I, I don't buy it. I do, I do agree that there's, there's people that start at different starting lines. Um, but there's a difference between equality and equity. And we saw from Kamala Harris less than a week ago. Um, she talked about the difference between equality and equity. And it's just a, a blatant Marxist statement to say that we can increase this or, or level the starting line as much as we want, but it'll never get somebody to the point where they're at, they end up at the same place. It, it, up at the it's same just, place it's just, yeah, it just, uh, it's not, it's, it's good in theory, but it, there's just, it's no way that that's how it, it works. <laughs> well, communism is good in theory. Well, like what they're saying, it's like, you know, like, you know, we all start from the same place and get here. And it's like, you know what? Well, I want to be a VP. I want to like, you know, like, like it's all, that's what I mean. Like good in theory. And I know it's like a lot more detailed than that, but and it's, I think it was uh, last night why a lot of the Democratic Party during that call um, was freaking out because in the House they lost like more, like more than they expected Republicans, and then so you had more of your kind of moderate <coughs> Democrats saying like we need to stop mentioning mentioning socialism, we need to stop doing this, or else like you know bleep bleep twenty twenty two we're gonna like lose more, and so that's yeah. and that's where you see where you do have the left. And then the very far left, like the squad that they call it, those like like man, the picture of them just freaks me out. And then like Bernie yeah. Sanders, and it's just like that is just so irrational and crazy. That's not like where we're gonna go, but that's what we're also like nervous of. Yeah, I mean we're terrified of it, but we've seen it played out play out across the world, like in different ways. So like, um, yeah. how many how many deaths in Russia during communist Russia were directly related to communism or? Mao's revolution, the People's Revolution of China, like fifty million fucking people were murdered. Jeez. Oh yeah, and we can narrow that even down further. We can say how many people have died from socialism, yeah. not even full blown communism. Um, millions, millions and millions and millions well, of people. And that's what um, kind of brings you back to the point where you know our generation really doesn't understand. Like, and socialism on paper looks awesome. Maybe like if you like really don't know, and you talk to like a bunch of kids like. You can talk to them. They don't even know what the Holocaust is or like some of our like history, which is like extremely important to know, like how it like got there. I think it comes or, down or to or like, like what you're saying, how World War Two started. Yeah. Um, you yeah. had the <laughs> so quote unquote that. working class party that came in. Um, and if I, I can't remember the exact translation, but if you look back at the original party of Adolf Hitler, I believe in German translates to something very similar to democratic socialist. Yeah, it was the Democratic uh, Socialist. Uh, yeah, they were Democratic Socialist Party, and it was because well, America really set that whole World War II up by fucking up. Woodrow Wilson set up uh, the sanctions that they put against the Germans, were just like asinine, mm. and so I mean, it just put more fire in their belly. And then all they needed was just whenever you have people that are down like that, that are a proud people, all they need is a leader to come and say, "Hey, no, fuck that. We're great. We're German. That's where like the populace." thing came up and they were the people's republic or not people that's china the uh socialist um party the nazi socialists whatever but that was all started because america did you know did not do well with the handling of world war one aftermath 
For, for sure. And, and that's, you know, that hasn't escaped. I don't think anybody that, that watches U.S. history closely or... or I, I don't it, really but, know how they handled it. Um, like, how did they handle it? What he needed was young support, and that's what he got. And that's... What are we seeing right now from the Democratic Socialist Party in the Democrat Party is young support. Yeah, Hitler Youth. We're seeing a... <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's nuts to me. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, so, like, you were saying you don't know about, like, what happened after World War One. So, World War One was started because somebody in the Balkans shot the soon-to-be king of the Austrian Empire. So, the Austrians declared war on, I forget which country. Uh, what am I thinking? Was it Franz Ferdinand? Was yeah, that? Franz Ferdinand. So, he was, who was killed. He was going to be the next ruling king of the Austrian Empire. Um, and then... So the Austrian Empire declared war on the country where that happened at because they were like kind of uh, ruling over them at the time. And so whenever they did that, then the other country had a part or a uh, they were allies with Germany who had an, who and they they were looking to just kind of assert themselves as the power, the new power of Europe. And then Russia was on was uh, allies with the Austrian Empire. So it was just kind of a powder keg. And then it just turned into, like, we have to mobilize because if you don't mobilize back then in war, if you don't mobilize in time, then you just get fucked up because the other, the other party's ready and you're not. So it just turned into everybody mobilizing and nobody de-escalating the situation, which turned into a nasty-ass war. World War One's way more interesting to me than World War Two. That's when they didn't have any rules on, like, chemical warfare and stuff, right? Yeah, well, they did. They just didn't they follow did. them. Yeah. So they were more strict in World War Two. Um, I mean, it was there was they had the Geneva Convention probably that was probably after World War One. I. I don't know for a fact that's somebody uh, fact check that. Geneva, I think Geneva was after World War Two, but we saw we saw well. Uh, I mean, the, it depends on your definition of chemical warfare, but we saw a lot more quote unquote chemical warfare in World War One because there was just there was no rules. There was right. zero rules. It was nasty. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, World War One was. I mean, you, you watch Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Um, they do some great flashbacks and 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 accurate flashbacks to, on how it was. I mean, you had guys that there was their only job was just to go into tunnels where there was entire uh, there was entire platoons of of the enemy there, and they would get down there and it would just be bayonet to bayonet. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine that. Imagine. That I just can't even imagine a war like that. World um, War One was like yeah, I mean it's, it's very interesting. It was like the old time warfare, like Revolutionary War warfare, combined with New World technology, and <laughs> yeah, so it was weapons. just like it was just like a, a massacre Isn't every that when the fucking day. Yeah, exactly. Going like straight on horses, like what the hell is so they, that? Yeah, exactly. So that's exactly what happened. So they would just send hundreds of thousands of people. You're literally 100 percent going to die. Yeah, and you really had no idea, like, this out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Bees! Brat! <laughs> well, and, and you know, it's funny, like, you think about World War One, World War Two. I mean, those were times that really united, united the country. I mean, in terms of the U.S., I mean, that was what made us great. Um, we think we still see T-shirts. Well, yeah, the time World War there was, II. like, six days during coronavirus where we were all on the same team. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would hope. I mean, what better to to unite to unite and and it didn't. 
um, unfortunately. Um, it's politicized, uh, and and they didn't politicize to to the extent that we see now. We saw the first politicization of a war when when we went to Vietnam, mm-hmm. but it's never changed since then. Yeah, what happened? I don't know how what your knowledge of um, America during Vietnam was like, but what happened? Because that seems like that's whenever this um, that's you know when, anti-American that's when media started. that's when media got into play. And for the first, I I remember I, this was something I did research on it like back in the day. But this is the first time where like you had journalists going overseas and taking pictures and doing stuff and reporting back, and it's being in the newspaper. So this is the first time Americans back at home, and there was like you know there wasn't any like censored pictures mm-hmm. at that point. And so they're seeing this, and they're seeing like the Vietnamese or like or whatnot. They're, this is their first real glimpse into actual war, not just like what they're no, seeing on, like, yeah, on television. Woo, yeah, yeah. woohoo, America, let's go! And it's the first time, and so like now the opinions start going. And I think that it's actually kind of the segue into everything we're dealing with now, if you think about it, because now. Well, I think are, I think beyond that, it was it was really the first war where it wasn't being fought because you had one other nation or one other world power trying to just simply take over other countries and expand their reach. It was the first time that we were really fighting an ideology like communism. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also so, get I mean, other people's inter- opinions involved for the first time. Like before it was yeah. just what the government or what was reported back to us. And as far as we know, that's what we listen to. Now you're going to see pictures, take it how you want. You're going to hear, you have different reporters and so now that's what like changed. So like, and we see it today. But before then, there was none of that. You got to think how like important a visual is, or a different story, or more than one story. Because yeah. before that, it was usually just one story. I mean, there's right. it was the weaponizing of the media for the first time. Yeah, well, that's how JFK became president. He looked good yeah. on TV. And he was it. not qualified that's to Hollywood. be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was not qualified he to be president. He was a damn good-looking president. I'll give yeah. him that. I always, I always think about that. How they, how they got their info, like, and to really like know how to vote. Like we're like worrying about right now, like voter fraud. Newspapers been around for a really long time. But I mean, in terms of like, uh, you know, actually getting your info, like you'd have to wait. Like you get like maybe like one press conference per se. You mm-hmm. know, like now it's like just we're flooded with it. Yeah. Well, there's so much information on the TV, gathering around the radio. Right. I mean, it was it was a more of an event. It was what you you had to work to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, now you have yeah, to work actually, to get away you, from you're it. You're a history buff, Jeremy. I, I <laughs> love this question, but if you could go back in one point in time in U.S. history, just to view, just to be on a of like a fly on a wall, what would Benjamin it be? Benjamin Franklin. Man, so I love this question so much. It's really hard to answer. Um, I'm going to go with where I'm at currently in, in life, and I would say the reconstruction after the Civil War is the most interesting to me. Super and interesting. I, and I had yeah, no I interest in that until probably like six months ago. I had zero really? interest in Civil War or Reconstruction. But the Reconstruction era is like whenever we really set the set the stage. I mean, it was just pure Wild West of business, like money flying around, no rules, no ethics, just pure fucking greed flying around it was just like i would love to see that going on because that set the stage for us to become the world power because we set up industry of the of the new century leading up to in the last like 25 years of that of the 1800s we set up 
ourselves to become the world's leading power for the next two, three hundred years. That we did. That we did. We stumbled across one of the, the greatest resources that, I mean, it's proving it today. I mean, we had stumbled upon a piece of land that was one of the greatest resources to ever be discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, everything you could ever need is here. Climate, different climates. I mean, we have oil. We have um, one of the greatest croplands you could ever imagine. I, I agree. I actually agree with that. That's, that's one I haven't thought of before, but I love the movie, <laughs> um, The Free State of Jones, which is like... Oh, I was rebuilding. getting ready to watch that. You haven't seen it yet? Huh. Yeah, you love, dude, you'll love it. Yeah, I think. Uh, so that's more of like the... Um, let's get you a mic. I'm getting you a that's mic. That's more of like the fight for uh, voting rights for, for the African Americans after the Civil War, but it's, we'll get it's in super here. interesting. You would love it. So, Matthew McConaughey. My friend Matt, he was on our last episode. Um, he was on our last episode that we had here. He just came in. He's got a little six-pack. He's going to hang out. I'm going to get him a mic, but he wants to answer this question too. Yeah, yeah. Hey everybody! I'm just jumping in. Oh, he's got the radio um, voice. He's actually a The uh, the point it. in history that I would want to watch is D-Day. I read a book all about D-Day, and it was written really, really well written. And the the author, I, he's escaping my name right now, or he's escaping my mind right now. But he's like one of the four front authors on World War Two, and he got. The point of view from like French citizens, German soldiers, American soldiers, sailors, everybody. And they said that when they looked out over the sea, they could not see the ocean. It was just ships and planes. And I would love to see that because I think that would just like rock my world. You know? I can't imagine what that would look like or what it would feel like. I really can't imagine. On the side of coming in on the beach. Like right, like being on the beach and like seeing you, those ships, you're like, holy crap. Like if you're a German in that situation, you're like, well, this is over. Yeah, that was like, a surprise attack too. Right. There's, I mean, that, that's, still, that's still to my day. Like, <laughs> you, I mean, you see any movie like, man, I can't – I mean, just the balls. Of, mm-hmm. I mean, like, dude, like, like think about like, okay, so you say you got your platoon right in the boat that's about to open up, and then it's like, I'm not in front, you're in front. Like it's like, dude, like you're like literally – because you know the minute that opens up, you are just a sitting duck. And it's like, that's actually really good. That's uh, You always think about that. Like, you see, just like, I don't know all the details where it comes where those reaccounts, but like Saving Private Ryan or yeah. like just anyone's like where it has like the cinematography. It's like, this is insane. You're this, All these individuals are the most courageous people, whether they are forced to do it or not. I like, believe the author's name is David Ambrose. Yeah, you probably know his name. He wrote the book. It's called D Day, just straight up. I think it's like five hundred pages. It, I think I think it was him that wrote it. It was a long time ago. How many? Uh, do you know how many people died that day? On like both oh, sides? Oh, so many, I mean, dude. He was just yeah. so he would he would go through each chapter was so, about something different, and it was super cool. Is that mic set up? Yep. All right, I'm switching mics. Right, Hang on one second. Surprise visitor. <laughs> so so we, had, uh, we had estimated 10,000 total deaths on D-Day. Yeah. He was writing about like... It's funny because we have an estimated 10,000 listeners live right now. I think really? I, I, I'm looking at the charts right now, and we're up at they're, like 17. Really they, they are jumping. <laughs> um, Fox were, News is were, calling. There were companies on the United States side that... Where like most of the guys came from one town in the country, completely mm-hmm. wiped out. 
Well, there's, uh, a, there's a in t- Germany. No, yeah, 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 okay. on D-Day. But there was there's this town in Virginia. I can't remember the name of it. They had more men die on D-Day than any other single city in the country. It was like 21 guys, or some somewhere around that figure, and they were all almost in the same company. It was a company, and they were the first one of the first companies on the beach, and they just got mowed down. We're just a bunch of pussies. I, I think about that. Too. We I, are a bunch of pussies. I mean, it was one of the most amazing things. No, I'm no, saying. Like us, I'm, I'm saying our generation is a bunch of pussies. Because I think about it too. Like if you're like, okay, so back in the day, let's say like Gettysburg. Like if you fight, you you're, have to know that if you get shot in the elbow, you're getting amputated. You're, you're losing while, the arm, baby. Or it, yeah, like you're. It's like now it's like okay, give me some morphine and like take care of it. Back then, like, you're like. If you get like a nip on you, you're getting gangrene, some infection, or you're chopping it off. Yeah. Or you die. Or you die. And you're you're chopping <laughs> and that shit off without like modern medicine to make I mean. it feel like, better. You're sitting there awake and they're doing it with a knife that you just use on. They six just put other a belt in your mouth and say, "Good luck, buddy." Yeah. Well, you <laughs> just, Hope you, you just don't miss the leg. the movie The Free State of Jones. In that movie, which is the Civil War, or it's yeah. about the Civil War, they they sh- there's one guy dies in it and he was barely even shot. Yep. And, and like he got so shot Matt, by one Matthew of those McConaughey plays yeah, see, a doctor. He plays the uh, uh, a field medic. Yeah, and he's the one that has to make those decisions on whether somebody is too far gone or whether they need to be amputated, or and and his son is killed in in that in that first scene. Um, but it was just like a shot to the abdomen. That today, I mean, no big deal. True. All right. So Alex. Uh, what would be yours? Oh, yeah, I forgot about the question. <laughs> um, what? I've had the same answer to this question, um, and I don't think it'll ever change. Is I would love to be a fly on the wall of the Oval Office um, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, I mean, just the intensity of knowing that any decision you're about to make could potentially not just end the United States, end the entire world. It was the first time that uh, we had the real threat of a nuclear holocaust. And I cannot imagine being JFK um, in, in the Oval Office with his brother, with his advisors trying to make a decision on that it was literally whatever decision you make could could potentially end the world i, I cannot imagine that level of intensity i read a uh, biography on the kennedy white house that was talking about this specific moment in time and just how tense it was and how stressed out he fucking was mm-hmm. and jfk and all his gloriousness Decided to get rid of his stress by swimming with uh, some of the interns down in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's very true. Um, and he was I heard a dog. Was, I heard it within um, that that West Wing with where the Oval Office is and everything. I heard you could that you you'd usually go by, you'd hear phones ringing, you'd hear people talking. I heard you could hear a pin drop throughout that entire West Wing, that entire oh, like twelve hours or whatever it was. Um, I don't think anybody really know where, what to think or what to do, but JFK was probably relieving stress in one way or another. I could yeah. imagine. 
Could well, I mean, again. <laughs> the the Russians were, you know, they were on the same, they had the same feeling. Like, nobody wanted this nuclear war, but nobody wanted to be the one that backed down. Right. And then the Bay of Pigs yeah. was a total disaster. Disaster. See, and even that, like, I just feel like that stuff isn't, like, talked about enough. Like, if we want to think back about, like, how close we were to, like, something awful or, like, what decisions had to be made. And that, like, that's, I always think about that stuff all the time. They're, like, there could be something happening right now and we're stopping a terrorist attack and we just, like, don't know about it. Like, how cool would it be to look in that, like, the president's book that only the president can see? You know, like, the new president gets brought up to speed. All right, here's starting from 1900. <laughs> And you're like, oh wow, like, because you know there's just so much stuff. There has to be. Oh, there's got, there is just like an incredible amount of stuff that like, we could think this, like, oh yeah, by the way, that didn't happen. This was actually an alien. Yeah, (laughs) well, it's like every president goes in there, and I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change everything. I'm gonna share everything with the American people. That's a really like, nah, no, I'm not going to. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah, never mind. What uh, they talk about? uh, They talk about Jimmy Carter. when he was first briefed um, by by the White House staff when he first entered office, and he was briefed on all that top secret information, the the meeting that every president gets when they first enter office, mm-hmm. and they said that he was sobbing, he was weeping in the Oval <laughs> Office after that meeting, and that's how well his presidency went. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So. You know, you think if anybody would tell us that there's aliens, it would be Donald Trump. Not out of the goodness of his heart, but just for the ratings. Yeah, I just to like say it back. He kind of did. I don't know if you guys saw the headlines, um, but uh, in I think it was about two months ago, um, the Pentagon was forced to release release documents, basically saying that they have found aircraft and they have found life forms that are not created on planet Earth. Uh, Did they say the life forms? I knew the aircraft. I haven't seen the life forms. It was deep in the article. If you read it, if you read far enough, that's fucked up. I wasn't life forms the term that they used, but it wasn't equipment. It wasn't (laughs) not life forms. (laughs) Yeah, so it was something. But they, I mean, for the first time, and everybody's just like, oh, yeah, well, it's because we're all worried about bitching at each other and left versus right. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, there's aliens. (laughs) They're gonna kill us all. But yeah, keep worrying about coronavirus in, in your mask, it's motherfuckers. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely nuts. Good timing, though, on their part. All right, so I want to ask you what you what you think about this. Has 2020 just been one long game to get Trump out of the White House? Yeah, I mean, I for sure. I, but I think it goes beyond that. I think it's been three years. I yeah. It's been three years of trying. I mean, we have um, a three-year period of of just consistent um, attempts to, to get him either impeached or to get him in trouble enough that the American public doesn't believe in him anymore. Yeah. Um, I, so so that's, that's what I always come back to when everybody's like, oh, we're America. Like, you're not gonna have election fraud. I go, understand this, that the other side believes that not only Donald Trump is, is Hitler, they believe that his followers are fascists. One of my best friends in the world, a roommate at, 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 at Penn State, um, had a post on Instagram that was essentially calling myself and anybody else that believed in Donald Trump a fascist. Um, and I, I question that so hard and I can get into exactly how backwards that is, but 
do you not think that if there was a modern day Hitler and that all of his followers were fascists, that if you thought, saw yourself as quote unquote patriotic, that you wouldn't do anything to try to get them unseated or to get them out of office? I think that's literally, and I, I truly believe that's how they view it. Um, just because they've said it themselves is they think we're fascists. They think he's modern day Hitler. We've had multiple people call him worse than Hitler. Of course, if Hitler's in office, why wouldn't you try and stop at absolutely nothing to get him eliminated from office? But yeah, it's all that's been- the ar- and that's the argument too. Uh, if you think about it, like because they really have said like we'll stop at nothing to get him out, and. I feel like so we're the victims like America in general from like the media and if I say media um, you know I, I know I'll lose like a lot of friends from this but I consider that the Democrats as well the media and the Democrats are going hand in hand right now with like everything you choose what's censored and you, and you choose what is not Alex like you brought up something like the other day that like when I want to let me jump in yeah I don't think it's all Democrats I think it is 25% max I guess what I mean by that is just like so the party like the agenda of that party and so like when I said earlier like you still have like the more moderate Democrats where it's like you know if you go back and look at it like the ones who are against socialism are like how like deep and extreme it's getting like the argument that they had last night like it's just like it's kind of out of the picture you got your left and your far left mm-hmm. and that's what I mean like because Alex like mentioned something to me the other day like Pelosi had, Alex, correct me, you'll have the details, but, like, she had, like, written down, like, for the next election, I think this was in 2019, before coronavirus, she wanted to do something different with the elections and allow people to do the mail-in ballots, essentially. Like, how, how did it go, Alex, or? Uh, you'll have to, uh, I, I was kind of having trouble hearing you throughout that. Um, my dog is barking upstairs, but, so, <laughs> what, what was the exact topic conversation of what I said? Because I'll remember it once you say it. Just about how before the coronavirus, like it's already like written down that Pelosi tried to like have it passed about you know revamping the election process to allow for this like type of yeah different oh, rules. yeah I mean so we're seeing we're seeing the the political equivalent of taking my ball and going home, um, which is if we can't win we're going to change the rules. So we're thinking about. Uh, when we're thinking about everything that the left or the democratic side or the radical left or whatever you want to call them, I like to call them the left because I don't believe that it's the true democratic party anymore. Agreed. I call it the left. I don't think it's, I don't um, think it's liberals. I think it's the left. Far left. Yeah. 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 And that's what I mean when we got to like watch what you say because I say it all the time. So like, Nancy Pelosi brings shows. up a few different things. It's, she brings up mail in in in, ba- in balloting, and again, that's I think that's a classic case of never let a crisis go to waste. Um, mm-hmm. You see her talking about um, just the election process in general and how it's going to go. Um, so with uh, things like PA delaying, uh, I mean, all this was put in in advance, delaying when they can accept ballots. Um, you're seeing Nancy Pelosi already talking about the Twenty Fifth Amendment which is, why would you talk about that unless you have plans of getting Joe Biden out of office and putting the vice president in? Well, they were talking um, about that when Trump had the coronavirus, right? If they don't feel like he's, um, if his capa- yeah. they don't feel like his capacity to run as president, they can remove him. Like, that's, that's insane. Coronavirus, yeah. really? I mean, this has been, I mean. But the fact that they bring that up, we can all see that Biden. This was going to go like 2016. 
and part of me wanted to believe that, but it's fool's gold because of everything that they've been doing for the past month and over the past year, just setting this up to be as confusing as it is, as untrustworthy as it is. And I always go back to the same thing of whether you believe there's voter fraud or not, if you're the left, you know that the right, the main thing they're gonna cry is voter fraud. And if you're on the right, the main thing you know that the left's gonna cry out is voter suppression. So the right's good because we had the more votes than we've ever had in a US election, ever. There's no voter suppression there. But on the left side, you would think that they would wanna go in above and beyond to clear themselves of any kind of voter fraud. But it's been the exact opposite of that. Like if you're trying to clear your name of voter fraud, why wouldn't you let the Republicans, you let the Democratic side in here in Philadelphia, I can only speak for, you let the Dem Democratic side in to view and to observe polls, but you kick the Republican side out and you have videos of the poll workers clapping as the Republican side is being escorted out of the building. Like you would think that if they are trying to squash any thoughts of voter fraud, that they would go above and beyond to not show that, but we're seeing the exact opposite of that. They uh, they even repealed, like when uh, you look in PA, so the, the court did grant them access to go in, and so that's when you see the thing where like they put the fence up six feet, and then all they did was move the mail-in ballot, so they still couldn't see, but then they went ahead and repealed it, and the reasoning being is social distancing. And yes, that's obviously what you're using, but there's, come on, like, there's just, like, absolutely no way, like, everyone's in there, like, that's the excuse they're using is social distancing, like, it's written, like, they're the ones who cut, that changed the rules, and you, exactly what you're saying, like, we have to be allowed to observe, that's all they're asking is to observe, nothing yeah. more. Have you heard of a color revolution? I haven't, actually. Okay. So, a color revolution is basically just a, um a revolution a political revolution that's set up as basically it's a coup right and there are certain stages and patterns to a color revolution so the first being a semi-autocratic rather than fully autocratic regime an unpopular incumbent a united and organized opposition an ability to quickly drive home the point that the voting results were falsified Enough independent media to inform citizens about the falsified um, voting results. Enough, and then political opposition capable of mobilizing tens of thousands or more demonstrators to, protect, to pro protest electoral fraud. And divisions among the coercive, coercive, coercive forces. <laughs> Jesus. One too many beers. Can you dumb that down? Because that all sounds okay. confusing. Yeah. So, basically, an incumbent that's some, that people don't like. Organized opposition, um, pro problems with the voting or with the democratic process, and then the ability to use the media to overthrow the incumbent. Is that real? So the uh, color revolution. That is. Um, I mean, that's the pro that's the process that was used in just a few countries uh, to include Armenia, Azerbaijan, Bangladesh, Belarus. Burma, China, Fiji, Guatemala, Moldova, Mongolia, Pakistan, Russia, South Korea, Uzbekistan, to name a few. Does that sound yeah, familiar that's exactly, to anybody? That's, that's why I asked, is that real? Because I feel like you were just, within the, the last like month, is exactly the steps. I mean, I know it's been passed. Well, when you, when you first said that, I was just going to say Istanbul. Yeah. Like, 
Wow. It's a coup. That's and it's scary. It's scary. You would think that wouldn't be able to happen, and I still have hope that it wouldn't be able to happen here. I want to bring. I want to bring up the quote that you told me yesterday about. uh, If you remember, you were talking about like if if Trump can get through it, he dealt with. Oh yeah. What was that quote? Well, we were talking about like this is going to be a hell of a process, and like it seems like something where you just be like, "Fuck this, I'm out." Right. But Trump has been through the uh, real estate industry in New York City for the last fifty years. So the election process is nothing to him. Yeah, it's like mob. That, yeah, I, he's doing everything new. And dude, I, I remember I I, I sent that to my brother and a, a couple people because it was I, I think I even told you I was like that's mm-hmm. the best quote like I've heard in a while because it is true. And I don't I think you're gonna have the people who really do stand behind Trump do not want him to concede. Um, and I I I just feel like there's just too many variables for him to do it until like we like get those answers. Because you have you do have some folks who are saying like slow down, let's get evidence, and unfortunately that's just not the case here. Because you have until like January twenty something to kind of debunk it and prove evidence that it's wrong. And meantime, uh, in the meanwhile, the other side is like spiking the ball to make it keep going like quicker and quicker. So well, I, I that's why it's just all new territory. I, I do agree that it is going a little bit too quickly right now. Yes, they're on a time crunch. But you have to look at you have to look at what they're up against. So just looking at the you know the, the different filings, the lawsuits that have already been filed, um, you're looking at the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania. All of these courts, if you if you look at them, they all operate off precedence. So the more you go to them with different lawsuits or different litigation you're decreasing your chances of being successful. So what I, and I, I think I said this to you last night, Drew, is, is that they need to try to canvas for more evidence before going there a second time, because then it just becomes more and more difficult. And again, as a libertarian that's voting Republican, I want him, I want this to be successful for, for him, but I, will, I just, I think they're going about it right now, at least in PA, they're going about it a little bit too quickly. Um, where they've already had one thing denied. They've had a huge victory in the courts already, but if they keep going and it gets denied, it's going to be harder and harder and harder and harder. So let's talk about where we're at currently in these the swing states. In the swing states being, I would say, Nevada, Arizona, well, the current ones that haven't really been called. Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina, and PA, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, has anyone even checked recently? Because as far as this morning, they have just been... It's like I, I got I, it on you, right you now. look at it the minute you turn on like the minute that one of those states turns on that they're like counting it's as if uh, you have a leak in a cup and it's just like slowly draining like it, it gets insane like all of them yeah so I think if, if the Trump campaign has a, their biggest argument and uh, Drew you and I were talking about this a little bit last night um, is there's this this really odd portion of our election night that I think everybody saw and nobody's talking about is this uh, 4 a.m. influx. So you had um, you had everybody voting and it looked like Trump was going not only going to win Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, he had just won Florida. Not only was he going to win all those states, but he was, he was going to win PA big as well. And then you had 
different instances. So in, I think it was Michigan where they had a pipe burst or something like that. Um, Wisconsin, they had regulations for workers um, complaints. Basically, every single one of these swing states found a way, one way or the other, to stop counting the votes at around uh, 11 p.m., 12 a.m. So they stopped counting the votes. And, and this is when Donald Trump starts winning, like, by a lot. Mm-hmm. And this is what he's complaining about in his press conference. And then at 4 a.m., you have different instances of these bulk votes coming in. And these bulk votes are what they consider to be irregularities. Um, so in, in Wisconsin, you had a, um, a Democrat or election official from a local uh, set of counties that comes and reports their votes. And this lady, I don't remember her name, but she has mo- numerous anti-Trump tweets and she's an election official, um, comes with, I think it's 126,000 votes and not one of those votes, not even a single one is for Trump. Yeah. Every single one of those is, is for Joe Biden. There's a hundred similar instances. You're talking about Wisconsin. Um, you're seeing it in, in PA right now as well. Um, it's these 4am and you look at the charts and it's like, and it, and it, it's funny cause it looks like an F when you look at the chart and, and people are saying it's for F for fraud, um, but it's it's insane that no one's talking about it. Yeah, I mean, what you have people that I mean, so you have like you know folks like like Trump's family, so like Donald Trump Jr. and them, where it's like the Republicans, especially if you're like looking at 2024, like a step up. And I feel like there's just a lot of people who like don't know, like they don't want to say anything because as we keep saying, there's like no evidence yet. But it's like what I always come back to is like I mean. Th- this is not an anomaly. This is impossible, especially like in like multiple states. And so I'm, I think we all can agree, like we're going to support whoever is like the president, but I, me personally, I'm not one to just like uh, say like, okay, he's it. And just like concede right now because there, because if this happens now, like this is only going to happen again, only like worse because right now, like Trump, in my opinion, is the only one who like will fight back. Like he knows he's like one of the most hated people in America. Like, yeah. He took he Probably took the most like, hated person in history. Yeah, like he took like an easy job, and it's like I mean, can you imagine like, I mean, let's all ask like, can you imagine Biden uh, negotiating with China? <laughs> it's just like you can't. Everyone knows that it's not going to happen, but that's why I was like, if this is happening now, and that's why I say like, people are not looking at the end game; they're not looking at down the road because if this is happening, like, this is a serious issue. No matter who you who you like, like big tech's involved. There's, I mean, this is huge, like voter fraud. Like, yeah. and, and either way, there's a lot of too much suspect shit to be going on for us to just sit back and say, whoever wins wins. That's just how it goes. Like, no, like, there's a lot of shit. Well, and I, I also think it goes a little deeper than that, true. And I think one of the truest statements that I've heard Trump ever say was, they don't. He said they don't hate you because they hate me. They hate me because they hate you. That's a it's, tough, it's, been, again. <laughs> it's been a hatred of conservatives for uh, uh, that's been building up for decades now for conservative beliefs for class for uh, classic American values and it's been a war on that the entire time um, and, and they're just now finding a scapegoat that they can they can kind of take that out on yeah I mean I'll say so for me um and then we don't have to get into detail on this, but I, I see where a lot of the division is, let's say like for abortion, for instance. So I, I am personally in the middle 
like if it's within like before like a heartbeat then i totally agree then you should be able to make that decision where it's hard for me is it's where it comes to like you're at nine months and you know like whoever like you know the mom is and like you're making that decision now is like you had nine months like to make that decision how often does that really happen though I, I that's what i don't know and that's why it's like tricky for me because you have to take into account like so what if someone gets raped and it's like the baby then like you know there's just so many like gray areas but as i'm told and i could be wrong i'm not an expert on this but you know there are you know there's a lot of time a lot of times in between there way before there's yeah. a heartbeat or even before six months where yeah. you can kind of where you can definitely end that and where i'm having the, the problem is is where you're hearing the stories of abortion in like the third trimester and but i just i just don't think that happens very much I, I don't really know don't. how much it happens, but like one, I think like, that's that's the narrative that we're fed. Like, listen, I'm not like personally like in having a child. Like personally, I'm definitely like anti-abortion, but I also don't think it's the government's job to tell anybody whether or not they should have an abortion. So that's why, like, well, see, that's as opposed why it's to normal, the most debated, like, yeah, topic as right opposed there. to being well, as opposed to being normal, normal. I'm looking at it right now. One sec. Um, give me one sec. Give me one sec. Let's abortions are because they cannot <laughs> afford the baby. Give me one, one sec. Imagine how small how it would be because of like things like rape. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Give me one sec. The the point is that. I don't think that very many third trimester abortions are happening. I could be wrong. I haven't looked into it, but I can't imagine that they happen very often uh, outside of, like, health complications, and those probably don't happen that often either. But to for conservatives to argue that the government should have a say in that but the government shouldn't have a say in everything else, that doesn't make sense to me. Exactly what I say. It's probably, yeah, I mean, it's, I, and I don't know enough because I, I really don't. Like, that's why I don't ever really comment on that. Because it's just such a, a tricky situation, and then they get into like so many more details of. Yeah. It's just more than just having a baby. It's it, it's a lot. Yeah. But I think that is all for a lot of the reasons that some people like if you think about it, where people have their stance on one issue, especially nowadays with with women, and I, I will stand behind that. Like too, it's like this is our body, like, you mm-hmm. know. So that's gonna always be an issue, and I foresee that being an issue, if, like all through politics, no matter yeah. how like far it goes, because it's. It's tough, too, because, like, Roe v. Wade, even though, like, most of the country agrees that it's, as it stands, is correct, like, I really don't have an issue with the state having more power than the country in this situation, either. And I, I I mean, I think that's... Outside of, I guess, health insurance not being able to cover that sort of thing out of state would probably be a problem. I haven't thought about that, though. Well, I, I, yeah, I think it's true. I mean, if they if they completely got rid of Roe v. Wade, it would just the the law would fall onto the state, and that's what people they're freaking out. Oh, like women's rights, like uh, the 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 right to control my body. I mean, it it's not like it goes away; it just falls back on the state. The, the state rights are always going to be like the most important. Like you think about it, like so Biden was saying a, a national mandated like mask mandate. No one asked how he's going to do that. He actually like can't do that. Right, but it's like scary that like he's saying that because uh, like you can't like it's up to the states and no one's ever asked that question. No one asked him the hard questions, so it'll be interesting to see like what is his plan to make it all of us wear a mask. And we're talking about the electoral college earlier. If the president, if the presidential powers hadn't grown so much over the last ten years, then that wouldn't really be an issue. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, 
It wouldn't. You're right. I mean, it, it wouldn't be. And and we if we didn't see so many executive orders today, like we, we used to never see executive orders. We're seeing them constantly now. Um, so I want to disagree with you there. So I, I know what you're saying, but it's, it's not it's not true. They just haven't been to the extent. Like, they, they haven't changed the rule of law as much as executive orders of the past. Like, FDR had, like, 4,000 executive orders. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. Because what we used to see time and time again was whoever won the presidency usually won the Senate and the House. Right. We're seeing a bigger split now where the presidency doesn't necessarily get the Senate. They don't necessarily get the House. Where they, it used to be almost all the time whoever won the president, presidency got those three. Um so we're seeing more reasons that executive orders need to be signed. Um, but I, I agree. It's not, I don't think it's something that's an issue. Um, we're just, I, I think we're seeing much more of it. Yeah. I think maybe um, the state of our media and um, like social media probably increases the power of the president regardless. It's, uh, I'm, but yeah, I mean, moving back to what I just said, the electoral college makes a lot of sense whenever the president doesn't have the ability to drive legally the direction of the country. Whenever the states have more power than the president, which is uh, how so it should be. I would love to hear more started. about that thought. I it's mean, we're. On a bit. I think I said this a little, or at the very beginning, or maybe before we started yeah. recording, that we are fifty states made up into one country. 50, and the reason that we have the Electoral College is because we don't want one state controlling the rest of the states. I mean, even in the very beginning, Virginia controlled the United States because they were the biggest state. But mm -hmm. to have so much power that rests within, like, California or New York is not good for the entire country. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Electoral College is important for, for that reason. And, and then, you know, kind of like we talked about, um, you know, or earlier was was there's you know, lifestyles are very different out in the Midwest than they are in New York City or in LA. You should and, come to Carmel. Yeah, those needs to need to be catered to as it's well, not life. just your big cities. You live in Carmel. Uh, we were raised in Carmel, so it just like sticks. Oh with yeah, you, you live downtown, don't you? Yeah, downtown now. But Alex and I were in Carmel, and you ever say Carmel? If you're around Indy, everyone knows. Yeah, it's it's uh, tough. Right. It's tough up there. <laughs> tough it's, it's, way, it's way too tough, man. We, we were, my mom had us like the same like ten meals on rotation, like all natural, like cut. Man, I know. Where do you live downtown? Uh, right in uh, Bay Tendricks. <laughs> are you are you downtown? Notice how I just I just. Pop yeah, in when it moves in. away from political talk. <laughs> he said real estate. Uh, <laughs> Bay Tendricks, nice. Yeah. I live. Yeah, my wife and I live downtown. We live at East and Ohio Street. Oh, okay. Wow. Like we're I go to that liquor store all the time. Which uh, one? Uh, the one. <laughs> shoot. All I know is it's on Ohio and Delaware. Oh, I know what you're talking it's the one about. It's always boarded up. Now. Yes, like, yes, it's yes. It's like a yeah. super mall. Yeah. It's got a basement. Yeah, I know. It's huge. Yeah. There is actually the coolest one. Um, it's on Pennsylvania. It's an old, either a bank or some sort of, uh, I think it's a bank, but look it up. So they have the old safe that's in the basement, and that's where they keep all their expensive liquor. And so you can walk in, and it's your typical um, circular like vault that you would uh, mm. normally see. So um, downtown Indy, I love Indy. I'm from St. Louis. I've lived in six different places. Indy is still my favorite. 
Why really? Sorry, St. Louis people, but I love Indianapolis. Uh, why? Because I love the people here. I think there's something special going on here. Yeah, I think there's a lot of growth in this city, um, which is really cool to see. Like, there's a lot of people who care about seeing Indy grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, there's an energy here. You know, like, this is a this is a city that's it's interesting. Like, I first got here in 2010 when I went to college. So many people yeah, would would crap on Indy. What's that? Go, like I went to Butler. Oh, okay. Uh, so many people would crap on Indy. You know, like, oh, I can't wait to leave, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, leave then. Still do. They still yeah. do. And I'm like, but, but like, you have to admit, even if you don't love Indy, for whatever reason, I don't know. That's your problem. You have to admit the growth that this city has gone through in the last decade, or let's just even take the last five years. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I really hope that, um, you know, it's there's some stuff that's been derailed due to COVID. Um, and also, pu- I feel like public perception of downtown India is like it's so much d- more dangerous now because of one weekend over the summer. Yeah. Like people who don't live downtown think that downtown is super dangerous and sketch and all that stuff. My wife and I live downtown. I it ain't dangerous. dangerous. I just think it looks like shit now. Yeah, because it's, of the boarded it's, up it's and all that. It's definitely on the up yeah. and up, though. I mean, it really is. I like, mean, Bottle Works? Yeah. Dude, I have friends that live in Nashville, New York, and stuff, and I they work in real estate. And I sent them that, and they get, they were like, dude, Bottle Works is going to be sweet. And I said, dude, I know. Yeah. I mean, that, so that I was mean, the whole thing. I get a unique taste of Indy because I, I grew up there, and then I get to come back, like, once or twice every year. And I get to see it kind of transition, almost like, almost like it's like a, like I get to see like an image of it now, and then an image of it like a year later. And the, the infrastructure, the businesses, the uniqueness of of just like, like breweries and restaurants, yeah. and I mean it's better now than I could have ever imagined it being ever. Yeah, yeah. And it's only getting better. It's only getting better better every time I come. It really is. More and more jobs are moving here. It's becoming a more and more desirable place to live because of that and because of the cost of living. That was it. So, like, when I bought – so, it's actually cool. uh, We're going to have to talk offline after this. But, like, Alex, you know, so I – when I bought my house in Bay Tendricks, I bought the three plots of land next to it. Ooh, good and man. We're, um, Smart. We're, like, in the final days of city approval where we're, like, building three container houses up with, a, like, a container pool. Like, it's going to be... Oh, man. Yeah, dude. It's, uh, well, I got to talk offline, but I'm, like, we're excited. Dude, that it, is sweet. It's, uh, yeah, but I, I knew nothing about Bay Tendricks. I was looking in, like, the Tarkington area, like, Butler. Yeah. I was looking in Fountain Square, and someone was like, you should check out Bay Tendricks. And I was like, what the heck is that? Because <laughs> this, I always consider like that to be like the stepsister of Fountain Square. Just like it's like a little behind. Like you look at Fountain Square, you can have a sixty-five thousand dollar house, two hundred thousand dollar house, and a nine hundred thousand dollar house. Yeah. And it's just so there's just so much hit or miss, but it's just to show you like where it's going, and you like see what they're doing. You got Eli Lilly that they're like putting in all these funds and sponsoring like all these like because everyone wants to see it go i mean then you go right by baker's life and you see all these like like a ritz carlton like mm. replica almost going up right mm. next like it's gonna be big yeah and, I believe, what right. is that the hyatt i think I, it's a hyatt I, it is but yeah it's like it's I just super think, nice yeah it's like I, I hear a lot of different stories like some say it's for like the the players who come and like say they're gonna stay there or it's for like you know the other like rich people but it's like looking like 
yeah, it's just, it's it's booming. And you're right, COVID did stop like a lot of it. Uh, I mean, I, I heard like stories of this like one guy who was in the middle of this huge like this this building project, and before it even began, he wrote like a twenty thousand dollar check to just cancel out of it. Because, wow. Like that was like how like how worth it. He just thought it'd been like way worse, but that just goes to show you like how scared people were to write sure. that type of check just and, to get out of an agreement. You know, restaurants closing. Yeah. You know, like a lot of restaurants operate on thin margins as it is. It's tough. My uncle's been in the restaurant business for 25 years. It's a tough game. My fiance fian- is fortunate that he made it through all this. He lives in a small ski town on the East mm-hmm. Coast, but it's it's the same principle still applies. And, you know, this is a city that relies so much on events, right? Like the convention center is a huge draw. Events, like- mm-hmm. Yeah, sporting events, conventions, you know. I feel like there's big ten championship. Yeah, you don't want to hate on it, but that is what we like rely on. Oh yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So Indy found its niche, right? And they just pressed into that super hard, and that uh, that allowed for this exponential growth in a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, What do they say? They they said the Super Bowl was one of the best just because of like how close everything was. It was like big city but small field, or like. But you know what's huge? Final Four is coming here four out of the next six years. So let's have the NBA All Star Game this yeah. year. So I'm pretty sure that's I'm pretty sure it's four out of the next six years. I may be wrong on that, but I'm almost positive. Yeah, I'd say I'm 98. <laughs> percent I love how Jeremy says that. So yeah, you're in real estate. <laughs> he perked right up right when we were talking about. Oh it. yeah. So I think that might mess with his mic a little bit. There you go. Anyway, you guys were talking about politics. Yes. I came in here and hijacked <laughs> it and started talking about Indy. No, that's probably no good. we're good. We like Indy. So. Yeah, you don't no, want to get too funny far off the Jeremy rails. texted me when I was on my way here. He's like, yeah, it's uh, two Republicans and a Libertarian talking about the election. And I'm like, oh, Because I am the least politically active person you've probably ever met. Yeah. He's like, so is that has that presidential race been decided yet? <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't watch the news, don't read it. Yeah, uh, I, I wish I was like you because that's how I used to be, but now I'm just like, I work yeah. from home, so I got the TV behind me, and it's just on <laughs> Fox all the time, and I'm the one. Like, I have like six different groups going on, and I'm the one updating them. Like, and it's like, yeah, dude, I'm just copy and pasting the same thing, but it's like not really healthy. I was telling I, like, Caitlin this that. last night. I'm like, I'm now the fucking election guy updating on it. Everybody on like, what's the vote count in this fucking state? I'm like, <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even like I care, yet. but it's like I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why I think I, I mean I, I know the people to talk to. Jeremy's one of them. Where I know like I can at least vent. Yeah, yeah. like let's see. I got a text. Let's see yesterday, I think. It well, said, "Why you're lo- Oh, you found what's, it." Said, "What's the latest? Any updates? What's going on?" <laughs> Right, like, like you're the news. Yeah, like I'm the fucking yeah, I'm the source. I, what I do is probably not good either. I just turn. I just let's say the election's in front of me. I just do a 180 <laughs> and turn my back on it. So how about that real estate? Yeah, right. I just don't. I just don't pay attention because I think that there's just so much negativity, poisonous talk. It poison, is. You know, it's, it's true. just, and I just don't want any part of that. It's true. You know. And so, maybe yeah. that's ignorant of me, but no, I, I agree, and I think, and I, I do get tired of like, I have like some friends there that you go. are we like, got a little oh. whiskey there. Nah, <laughs> five o'clock somewhere, baby. I think you started two hours ago. Yeah. Oh, I'm. This is my third. Are you still? <laughs> are you still drinking uh, Angel's Envy? I switched over. I didn't want to drink any more of the expensive stuff just because I was going through it too quick, so I switched yeah. over to Bullet. 
<laughs> oh, okay, Bullet. I used to work for them. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been to that distillery a few times. Damn. That's a, that's a that was a fun job. fucking job, dude. So, listen, this is my last job that I had, and probably my last job I'll ever have. I was a uh, I was a brand rep, so my job was to go into bars and basically make friends and buy people drinks. I had a $75,000 a year budget to buy people drinks. That's what my brother does right now, so pours. Oh, man. Yeah. I had, let's can you see. Imagine, oh, my gosh. I had Bullet. Hey, I had Crown Royal, Kettle One, Captain Morgan, Don Julio Tequila. Oh, my God. That was a fun job. Was that here? Wow. Yeah. I was, I was just running around Broad Ripple every night, just buying drinks for people. That was a good time. I was so wow. unqualified for that job, but it was a good time. <laughs> hey, you're not unqualified for a sales job because you're yeah. you got that personality. Yeah. Well, dude, I always tell people this. I had no industry experience, and a lot of people that were in this, that were in my role, did. I said, I don't know, man. I just blacked out during my interview and knocked it out of the park. <laughs> and then blacked out. That's always the case. Yeah. While you're at the bar. Nah, honestly, it, it taught me how to like. Um, how to never ever get drunk? Like I never get drunk except for when butters, <laughs> yeah, except for when butters saw me. Yeah, shit. That was the last. You were a that was the last body. time I was drunk. That was the last time I was drunk. I was fucked up. Dude, I think was, that was more sleep deprivation than so alcohol. Lifeless. But yeah, but like yeah, that's probably one time I've been drunk in like the last four years. It worked. It worked out though because we walked that entire time, and then like the minute we got to your car, brain dead. Yeah. See, I can hold it together in public. <laughs> <laughs> you had that adrenaline kick in the entire time. That was a lot of fun, though. And that whole event that you put together was great. Hey, how'd the uh, how'd the one go the other weekend? Uh, I didn't go to that because, uh, you know, I don't run, so. Yeah, well, I mean, you came to ours. Yeah, I can only do so many marathons. <laughs> <laughs> this is 5K, not yeah, a I marathon. About, I got about one in me every five years. Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tried to go, but we just I just couldn't swing it with little fella at home. Um. But yeah, I was so I'm glad that Earl took that over. Yeah, the canal's a good spot too. Yeah, yeah. Like so many locations to like really make it work. Broad yeah, Ripple. and plus like Broad Ripple will never have us back again ever. For what? For this uh, 5K that you we were put that on. Bad? Oh yeah, we <laughs> we fucked shit up. It was not good. Yeah, uh, I don't think we'll ever be allowed back what here. What was it? The Indie Fitness Mag 5K? Or yeah. Yep. We I did mean, it. they they have it way worse on weeknights with all of the underage kids coming in like. I remember I stopped coming back to, to Brad Ripple like when I was in high school, and I remember I walked out of the bar, saw someone getting tased in the street, and go to another one, oh and, then I, and then I come out again, and there's like four more people getting tased in the paddy wagon. I was like, okay, I'm out of here. It was bad. I'm going to switch gears here. Alex. Brad Ripple is a different place then. Yeah. Alex, I got a question for you. Are you strictly, yeah. I know you're a big history guy, um, are you strictly American history lover, or you go back further? Um, I would say primarily U.S. history. I would say I've, um, over the last couple of years, I've kind of broadened a little bit into more, more world history, but I would say I'm still at a novice level when it comes to that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just what I was interested in. Like mm-hmm. a, a mo- majority of the books I read were either historical fiction or, or nonfiction that were history based. Um, and that was mostly just U.S. history. But I, I'm trying to broaden that out now. It's, it's kind of a challenge. Well, let me hit you with the same question you hit me with. If you could go back to any time in history, not just U.S. history, when would that be? 
Yeah, so, uh, no, no. So I would say, um, I would say oh the Oval Office uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Just not, the intensity level of that. No, no, no. Not U.S. history, sorry. Oh, not U.S. history. Oh, right. man. That's a good one. Huh. So for me, like, I'm such a fan of the Roman Empire. I named me my child too. Roman. I literally named my kid after I, my favorite history. <laughs> Dude, I was to just like going to say that. I was, well, I was going to say went, more specifically, I would love to see... My parents went there. Like, we, we, we talk about, um, the Roman like, the, like, the movie 300, that the Persian War with the, uh... Battle of Thermopylae. I would love to see how that actually played out yeah, in real life. That would um, be cool. Because they were just so known for being this, almost like the Navy SEALs back in the day. Like, they would just take on anybody and just obliterate them. And then you only had 300 of them against one of the biggest armies to this day ever assembled. Um, I would love to see that. Y'all have all seen the movie Gladiator. Oh, yeah. It's my number one top Dude, movie of all time. Could you imagine going back in history and just being a, a little ant in that <laughs> huge crowd, seeing these gladiators fight each other? Dude, or, there was 50,000 50, well, 50, people in there. Have you guys seen the German film on Netflix, uh, Barbarians? I want to watch it. How is it? It's, it's definitely really good. I think there's like six or seven episodes... Uh, I didn't even realize it was in a different language because, you know, Netflix, like, yeah. voices over. But it was, like, so intense that I didn't even realize that the lips weren't, like, matching up. But, like, right off the bat, like, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's real. It's, like, crazy stuff. So it's, like, uh, about, like, so the barbarians were the villages all outside of Rome. Mm-hmm. And, like, Rome, you know, they come in and they, like, you know, we need a son. Or, yeah. and, you know, they have to basically obey. And it's based off of that one war where they, be, like, it leads up to that one game-changing battle that they had with the Roman empires, but it was crazy because you just have all these different villages. Dude, the Romans were scared of the Germans. Were they? they were, yes, truly, because they were so big. I mean, Romans were still really small, and yeah. the Germans were fucking massive compared to them. They had like six inches on average on them. Like the Nordics. Were, yeah, exactly. They were just terri- They were really scared the, of them. All, and the only thing the Romans had them at the time was that all these villages were just separate. Yeah, they, they were just were better all, organized. They were all yeah. just like a, you know, like you're not, yeah, exactly. And it was just, but it's, it's crazy. One thing. Yeah. Right, here you go. The first thing I see, first time looking on this desk where the podcast stuff is set up, first thing I see is the complete bench press guide, <laughs> eight weeks to a big bench. Dude. Yeah. You, this is very ironic to me because I walk in here and you guys are talking politics and history and what have you, and then I see this meathead guide. Hey, 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 shirtless is just we were talking benching. creatine before <laughs> yeah the creatine the politics the bench and everything yeah. in between that dude actually holds i don't know if it still stands but he holds the world record for bench press for Jack his weight Hummel? class yeah wow that's who i share this this, this whole time with. i just thought you just go up no and way. down yeah that's interesting how much weight uh i would know? say something in the fours Maybe f- no, that's way higher than that. Way higher than that. Yeah, sixes. Yeah, it was in the sixes, I think. I saw, I saw that too. I was, uh, I followed, I looked at some of his like biography or like just stories. Like he used to coal mining is what he used to do or something. Yeah. So it's pretty impressive. I obviously has a really awesome life story, and he owns uh, the gym downtown and IPA World Pro Raw Men Records. Um, Holy fuck, Jeremy! You know what's his gym? (laughs) It's uh, called an Iron Valley Barbo. We yeah, got to stay right there. Downtown? I thought it was on the west side. Yeah. Or east side. It used to be CrossFit Naptown in the building that they're at. Oh. Okay, yeah. so he still he still holds the IPA 
record for deadlift, but he had bench press. But his deadlift, I've seen him do more than this, but his deadlift then was 675. Oh I've Lord. seen him squat 700 pounds. Dude, that's crazy. All right, I'll post it. I actually, I did want to say something about, uh, I heard the funniest thing, um, not weightlifting related, but the Roman Empire related. Yeah. I heard the, uh, my buddy who is a, um, a, he's, he's, he's like that. He likes world history a lot. And, uh, he knows a lot about the gladiator times. And what a lot of people know is that they were, most of the gladiator fights were, weren't actually like the movie, the gladiator. They were more like, they were more like plays. Like they were like it, um, reenactment of battles. Yes. And he was like, so imagine somebody comes up to you. You've just been captured. You've been in prison for months. And someone goes, you're going to be the star of a Broadway play, but chances are you're going to die by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's spot on. Like I yes. just can't even imagine that. No. Yeah, they did a lot of, uh, well, I mean, they, they still had battles, but they did a lot of like reenactments of like basically Roman glory. It was just like the right. most intense theater you could possibly have. That's but they, insane. They say that um, they would fill the Colosseum with water and actually have like battles like in ships in the Colosseum. I actually heard that. I, I actually seen like paintings on that, but you know, I've never. Got they out. they could flood the arena with with water. Yeah. Um, I need to like, know how they did with that. water, and they would have like actual naval battles. How, yeah. how do they do that? Aqueducts, duh. Aqueducts. <laughs> Aqueducts solve everything. <laughs> Imagine, yo, think about this. I was you thinking about this. Slaves to do it, and yeah, dude, like, that's what they. Ancient do. Rome had there are up to a million people in a small area. What do you do with all that shit? Literal shit. What do you do with a million people's shit? Oh, now we're now we're thinking. Uh, yeah, so, I guess this is deep. They had they had a slave or someone for everything. Mm. I feel. Like this is no, okay, but you're, yeah. the, you're the bucket shoveler. And this but the what's the slave do? Eat your shit? No, like, he, had, where, he, he probably had to walk miles and just like put it into the barbarians' land. <laughs> yeah, so crazy, the barbarians. That, I'm glad you brought up brought up the barbarians. Like the Romans were truly scared of the of the barbarians. And that's funny because you obviously don't see you know oh, right Germans. Are, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. But well, think about how how scared we were of like. Of like Al Qaeda and yeah. ISIS, and they were just basically the same thing. Yeah, except they had no access; they had no land access. Some to final it. thoughts. Matt's got to get out of here. I got to go. Gonna, it's not like go. I was part of this to begin with. I just kind of <laughs> came in and hijacked it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Real estate edition. Enjoy the weekend. And um, where can we find you online? Good to be with you all, boy. <laughs> okay, the website is movewithshoe.com, or you can find me on uh, Instagram and Facebook, at go. Matt Schumacher, S-C-H-U-M-A-C-K-E-R. Thanks for joining us, brother. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Stop by any time, dude. You know, your last name is close to the German. street I lived on, Shoemaker Drive. All right. Is that how you say your last name? Schumacher. Schumacher. Close enough. Schumacher. 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 Later, I'm gonna get your contact info from him. I don't. We'll chop it up. Bites me in the Bates Hendricks Oasis. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys. Later. See ya. Yeah, I love I love uh, Roman history so much that I named my son Roman Augustus. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. 
That's pretty awesome. He's a little badass, too. That's a power name. Yeah, I know. Poor guy. He's got a lot to live up to with a name like that. Imagine him being some little nerd that can't, like, fend for himself and his name's Roman Augustus. (laughs) There's no way he's going to be Damn, he's fucking Like, talk trash on him, and they're like, like, dude, this dude's about to come come kick your ass. And they're like, oh, yeah, who? Roman Augustus is about to come kick your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how I planned it. Yeah, so yeah, Augustus was the first was the first emperor of Rome. He was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. Um, and then whenever Julius Caesar was killed, which was fucked up, um, then it was basically Augustus. For, well, he was Octavian then, or Octavius mm-hmm. then, and uh, it was him versus Mark Antony in the second triumvirate. So it was Mark Antony and I forget who the third one was the scandal with Cleopatra correct yeah so Mark Antony was yeah this he was Cleopatra's lover after after uh, Caesar had a baby with him Cesario but then they killed Cesario which is fucked up too so you're more international history as opposed to I love me some American history I'm just like I've been on this uh, I just am a glutton for history so, and it's funny how it all works together. Like history, basically tells the same story over and over and over. And that story, the core of every story is wisdom. And uh, I think that that's my biggest problem against like if we bring it, gonna wrap it back up into politics is like there's zero wisdom wrapped up in the far left movement. Zero. There's yeah. all sorts of wisdom being conservative. That's literally what wisdom is about. And I think that wisdom wins over knowledge, wisdom wins over technology every single time, forever and ever, amen. Period. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's an uphill battle. It's yeah, well, I would battle. say, um, I can say I couldn't agree more. And, I mean, for for you guys, I mean, being Republicans, and, and you know, I, again, I'm, I'm libertarian, but I, I think I'm more Republican than anything else. Um, just because of, of how the two parties are shaping up. And the one thing I would just plead with Republicans, Libertarians, uh, and even even Democrats at this point, but is regardless of the outcome of this election, I, I would just pray that everybody would, would try to establish some wisdom and and support whoever our president ends up being and show you know the, the other side, the left side, what they could have been doing for these last four years instead of you know, trying to get somebody removed is to just support them and, and make our country. We're so the on the same page there. Just the, just the amount our- of money that we spend to get rid of someone. Just like, you know, you think about the three senators that the Democrats spent over 300 million. And then think about Bloomberg, what he spent on like Ohio and Texas, like another like 300 million. And it's like, it's just an insane amount of money on I mean, you just you think about it. That's coming out of somewhere, and it, and it's us. And just the fact that you know you spend that money, like, if only we could just all be on the same side. And I know we're all so different opinions, so it's going to be a long time, if ever, that you know, just everyone just has drastic views, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, yeah, I think I sent you that. I think I sent you that post where um, John Burke. He's like one of my favorite conservative voices on Instagram, and he's like, I don't care if you're Republican. 
if Donald Trump loses and I see you screaming at the skies in the streets, I'm still going to make fun of you. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I'll be really disappointed if we see a lot of right-wing pundits behaving like the left has for the last four years. Like, if Donald Trump does end up losing this election, I still want Joe Biden to be successful. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And that's what that I always got upset when because the media will show it like you're going to have people that you disagree with who are on your side. Let's say like Republican and you will have like Hicks or like someone that is just like completely ignorant because you're going to have that on either side, no matter who you are. And they're doing something racist or they're doing something like that. But that doesn't mean like that we um, identify with that. And I, I, I agree as well. I don't think that we're going to start looting and certainly hope not because that will completely defeat the entire purpose of what we're trying to like do yeah and you have extremes on both sides i mean you have like unfortunately on the right you do have this really really extreme far right that would consider themselves to be you know more of like the white supremacist wing um Mm -hmm. and i i think it's important to note that that it's that's that hasn't grown at all if anything it's shrunk like it's not that's how I would say like less than 0.0001% of anybody on the right side believes and we're not going to do anything um, if if we lose to, to try to start a militia or anything like that. Like that's why, you know, civil war talk, I'm always like, all right, let's tone it down a little bit because we're, at the end of the day, we're supposed to show the other side what patriotism is. And the, and the first way we do that is, uh, unfortunately, I hope it's not the case, but if Joe Biden were to win, the first way that we show that is by supporting this president that we don't agree with. Hundred percent. I mean, we gotta. It's America. God damn it, America. One people. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I think obviously, yeah, and you know, I remember like my grandma like said something. She's like, the first time that I was able to actually witness election was like 1952, and it kind of just makes you kind of sit back and like think like. She's been through, like, and she's, like, we're in this group text, and she's just, I mean, she's on her device, like, a lot, but she'll just chime in every now and then, and it's the most, (laughs) like, everyone just, like, stops, like, it's so wise, it's so, just, like, makes you stop and think, like, no matter what, we're gonna get through this, we're still gonna have food on the table, we're still gonna have our family, and that's the end of it, and I have to sit back and kind of, like, think that, too, I remember Alex, you even, like, said the same to me, where it's, like, I get so uh, passionate about, like, one thing, and I can easily kind of just lose, like, not think, like, you know, just, like, the bigger picture, you know, it's, like, where something happens, but I'm, yeah. like, I'm so one-sided, but it's just because I'm so passionate, and I have to just kind of just step back and be, like, okay, yeah, it's a little irrational. I need to be more rational at this point. Right, and, and you know, one thing I'll say is for all, for your listeners, or anybody that are Republican that are feeling really all down right now 000. is that we made it through eight years of Obama who had both the Senate and the House and a majority in the Supreme Court that were more left-leaning and America's still kicking. We're going to be fine. There we go. Brother, man, I thank you for coming on. I think I'm going to wrap it up here. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. I hope you, uh, when you you say you're coming back to Indy, so I'll be back the uh, the Wednesday of Thanksgiving weekend, and I'll be there till Sunday. Nice. So I would love to get together with you, even if it's not for a podcast, just to like hang out and see each other in person. He's he's tough to get. Um, yeah, I'm tough to get. <laughs> I'll see. I'll see. What we, yeah, I'll, I'll enforce him. <laughs> yeah. No, I I would love to. You never to. Just for a beer. 
Yeah, that's yeah. even tough. But we're gonna. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, why do you say it like that? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen you in like a year. Like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. He's going got, through some shit. He's got. That's exactly. It's like he. I mean, yeah. And it's like just. Yeah, but Drew doesn't like getting anybody together unless it's at his house. So I can understand why it's difficult. Yeah, no, I almost, I'm just. I'm just I selfish. almost went to Drew's house I'm, a couple months I'm ago. I'm selfish. That's all. I'm like, come here, Jeremy. Is uh, Aaron still at George's? She is. Yeah. I love that fucking place. Yeah, she's that bar manager now. Is she? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. When does she work? Uh, best schedule ever. Tuesday through Friday, just like ten to five. Nice. So it's like, yeah, I see her like all the time. She's she's doing really well with that. Um, but I remember last time she was here when she didn't want to be a part of the podcast. You nervous? But she's in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right, do you want a that mic? A, that last one was fun. Do you want a mic or do you not? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'll do my best, Alex, when you come back. If we can like say hey to him. Uh, but like I said, he's he's a tough cookie. Yeah, I got a little boy He's at got home, priorities. and uh, I like him. I like you guys, but I like him a little bit more. So, hopefully we can get together. This has been awesome. Max, I'm glad you could join, too. Yeah, man, great to meet you. I'm glad we're new friends. Drew, I thanks, brother. I having me again. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been a long one. We've been all over the place. History, politics, politics, history. But it's all good shit, and we're right about everything. So thanks for thanks for tuning in. Share this fucking episode with some people, man. I need some more listeners. 35,000 a week isn't enough. So I appreciate you, and this is just my thoughts. Love you. Bye.